Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hayward's been wrapped up. The Steelers are back on the south side where they belong for practices. Mike Tomlin's got his weekly news conference today. Later this week, they'll be kicking a football in East Rutherford between the Steelers and the Giants. If I sound excited about all of the above, that's only because I actually am. Good morning to you. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. Hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. Uh, I know I sure did. I, I managed to take at least a handful of hours to do things other than work. Partly in preparing for what's to come here, which is, you know, football. The Steelers, the NFL, everybody involved is forging ahead. But I got to tell you, there aren't too many things that have brought a bigger smile to my face from the sports standpoint throughout all of this, quite like Cam getting extended. It's easy for reporters to say you don't get caught up in these things. Uh, personally, who it is that you like, who it is that you don't like, who's nice to you, who's cooperative. Well, Cam checks every box on the positive side. Uh, it's not just that he's professional. It's that he's passionate and he's legit. Um, everything that he does, he does from the heart. He's that real. He's that authentic. And he's that much a stealer. I mentioned on this show a few days ago, back when Cam was finding in his own way a path towards sounding some alarms about his contract status, that there was no way this player should ever play a single NFL game in another uniform. That's not to elevate him to the status of the franchise's all-time greats. He's not Joe Green. He's not Rod Woodson. But he's had a tremendous career. The son of Ironhead, former Pitt star, uh, a great, great player at Ohio State. He came to Pittsburgh and adopted absolutely everything there was to adopt about not just being a Steeler, but about being a Steeler's defensive lineman. And there is a distinction. The Steelers of the 1970s, the greatest football team anyone will ever see, were built first and foremost on Mean Joe, their number one overall draft pick under Chuck Knoll. 
And then the remainder of the defensive line, the famed Steel Curtain, Elsie Greenwood, Ernie Holmes, Dwight White, John Banasak, others that were involved in that group. And ever since then, the tradition's been passed on, not just about on the field, but off the field. Brett Kiesel once told me about the pride he took in taking the baton, if you will, from Aaron Smith, from people before Aaron Smith, about how to lead the Steelers in the community. The defensive linemen aren't passengers in that regard. They're always front and center. There aren't any exceptions to that. Cam, in having taken that baton from Kiesel and Casey Hampton and other guys, has made sure of that. Whether you're a veteran or a rookie, you will be the one working in the soup kitchen. You will be the one passing out coats in the wintertime. Uh, that's just the way the defensive line operates in Pittsburgh. Cam is a stealer. He is a quintessential stealer. Also, and somewhat important in this equation, he's one hell of a football player. And if it's possible for Cam to be underappreciated in Pittsburgh, that actually might be the case. The pro football focus rankings of all defensive players, all 32 teams in the year 2019, listed as the top three overall, any position. Number one, Aaron Donald, no argument there. Number two, TJ Watt, certainly no argument there. Number three, Cam Hayward. That's how highly regarded he was upon watching the tape, upon analyzing at least as much as you can without the benefit of a coaching staff. That's very, very hard to do, but you're also not going to get coaches to participate in such things, so you got to do what you can. The Steelers had two of the three best defensive players in the entire league, according to this. And yet, if you went around Pittsburgh and asked people which would be the two players if there were to be two out of the three on that list, almost everyone would say TJ and Minka, wouldn't they? Right? They might even throw in somebody else, maybe Bud, whoever, I don't know, because, you know, Saxon, whatever, before they got to Cam. Maybe Joe Hayden, too, you know? Cam's been that great on and off the field. And to understand how much he means, no, 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 not what he means to the Steelers. I'm going to stay with this subject here. How much the Steelers mean to him? Listen to the man when he spoke with us yesterday. You know, I, I never looked at what about me. Um, you know, uh, obviously I didn't know to an extent of if they wanted to do a deal or not. Um you know, uh, they have. They, I had a conversation before we even got started with Mr. Rooney, um, with my intentions to, you know, let him know that I'm locked in on this season no matter what. I'd like to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, um, and he let it know. Then, you know, we'll see what we can do. Um, it's been a, a process to get to this point. Um, I can't, you know, stress that enough. Um, 
but you know this was uh something that's just not uh done just um out of comfortability or you know uh just to do it um i feel like they believe in me and i feel like they think i can earn this contract is it a great contract <laughs> i i don't know it's it's half a decade, 60-some million dollars, depending on how it shakes out. That's not ideal. Nobody's going to like that. Nobody likes, especially in a cap league where you tie your own hands to an extent. TJ's obviously going to have to get a lot more than that to stay, and I'm sure he will. Minka, if he has another year or two like he just had in 2019 is going to end up putting himself into a similar bracket. Juju Smith-Schuster is there to be signed or not. James Connors there to be signed or not. Other players are in that category that aren't necessarily the biggest names but have a real impact on the team. Guy that jumps out for me in this context is Matt Filer. Valuable offensive lineman you need to find a way to keep in Pittsburgh. So it, It's not perfect. I just don't see a way around it. And I'm not saying that as if it's a bad thing. The Steelers have had three head coaches since 1969. Three. They've won twice as many Super Bowls as they've had head coaches. They've had a run of success, a continuity of success, arguably unlike anything we've seen in professional sports. And you can't put the Patriots into that bracket because the Patriots pretty much started about 20 years ago. Steelers have been at this for half a century now. And the way that you get to that level of culture is by taking care of people like Cam Hayward, someone who comes in and goes so far above and beyond, even though he had very high expectations upon his arrival, still exceeds it to that extent. Is he going to be the same great player three years from now that he was last year? Probably not. Could he still be serviceable for you? Absolutely. Would he still mean a lot to have in the locker room? No doubt. There's no one like him in that room. Some contracts are bigger than others. Some contracts are more important than others, even though they aren't necessarily the most expensive. I'll say it again. I'm happy for Cam. I'm happy for the Steelers. But most of all, I'm just happy for me. I'm looking forward to doing some actual football. Uh, writing about it this week from the south side and getting out to East Rutherford and covering Steelers versus Giants next Monday night. When we come back, some baseball. Finally, arguably mercifully, closed on the 
Pirates 2020 season, I've got a sneaking suspicion that the name we're all going to end up identifying it with is that of poor Miguel Del Pozo. Maybe the worst relief pitcher we will ever see in this corner of the world. This segment of Daily Shot is always brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, in workers' comp cases, in medical malpractice claims. They pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. And they've been doing that at that business for more than 80 years years. LGKG, as they're commonly known, has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, Elwood City, and you can learn more about our friends over there by visiting lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. The Pirates have been and they haven't been a train wreck here for a little while. And if that sounds like I'm taking a swipe, I mean, so be it. They, they're nine and nine over their last eighteen. I mean, if you think about where they were before that and what the expectations were this season, the people who thought that they could be a five hundred team, you know, this is five hundred. It's over a much smaller sample, but there's also been more importantly than the wins and losses. In that 18-game span, one facet that's risen above all the rest, and it's the one nobody could have seen coming. Nobody. And that's been the bullpen. The Pirates relievers. Since the day Miguel was sent out of here, once and for all, and that goes back to August 8th, the Pirates relievers have a collective ERA of 3.77. That's second best in the National League. The only team with a better one are the Dodgers with that gazillion-dollar payroll. And it hasn't been because guys came back to health or anything like that. There's still no Keone Kella. Uh, Kyle Crick barely gets on the mound, and when he does, he's still about five, six miles an hour off his regular velocity on all of his pitches. Nick Birdie's obviously done for the year. Those were supposed to be the Pirates' three best relievers. And when they went down, Ben Charrington basically had no choice but to start flailing. He was bringing up anybody at all in Altoona who looked like they might have been even remotely competent or capable of playing the role of tourniquet. So Del Pozo comes up. That was a Charrington free agent signing over the offseason. We'll all try, I'm sure, collectively to forgive the guy for that. Del Pozo was so bad that you don't need me to revisit it. And he had company. I mean, Davidas Nevarowskis has, he's been a little bit better since then, but I mean, he is what he is. In the interim, though, imagine this. Some guys looked at all these available innings 
and thought to themselves, you know what, this is a chance for me. I got a chance really to show who I am here. And maybe I didn't have that in the past, wherever it is that I was, whether it was in the minors, whether it was right here in Pittsburgh or with another major league team. I've got a chance. So you see Chris Stratton and Jeff Hartlieb stepping up as maybe the two best relievers in the pen. You know, Stratton was iffy last year after he was picked up from the Angels. Hartlieb was terrible. He's a draft pick. Both have been terrific this year. Sam Howard, the lefty, has been outstanding since he's come along. Not perfect, but outstanding. Nick Turley, another lefty, he's given up a few more hits than I'd like to see, but he's also getting swings and misses, and he's getting people out, and he's participating in wins. This has been pretty neat. I can't say that I saw this coming. And maybe it could and should serve as an example to the rest of the roster. Because there are at-bats to be had, too. There are starters, innings, and starts themselves to be had. And yet we still keep seeing a lot of the same names and the same faces going out there and failing again and again, staying below 200 in the batting average, failing to make it out of the third or fourth inning as a starting pitcher. And yeah, I'm talking about Trevor Williams and before that Josh Bell and Gregory Polanco and to a lesser extent Adam Frazier, Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman. I mean, some of them are starting to come around a little bit and show signs. But I don't know that anybody on this roster has stepped up to the extreme that these bullpen guys have. I'll even throw Eric Gonzalez into that. He he and Colin Moran have been semi-pleasant surprises. They both had a relatively fair amount of talent. But I don't think anybody thought that about these relief pitchers, and they've come out of nowhere to do pretty well if only there had been a little bit more of that for this team or that there would still be that in the final three weeks of this season what Charrington could do in this offseason the possibilities would grow exponentially he'd now have more pieces that he could trade or just keep and try to build onto. But when you have a lot of the same guys just doing the same things and the same results for an extended period of time, I mean, it it handcuffs the GM on every level. It handcuffs the building process of this team on every level. It causes you to lose hope to an extent. You know what I mean? Especially when it's uh, younger guys like Reynolds and Newman that you really pinned a lot on after what they did in 2019. It's deflating. And you think to yourself, all right, well, the Pirates are in this spot, and maybe they're not that far away because they've got this position, they've got this position, and they've got this position. And then you see all of those guys just at the same time. Sucks the life right out of you. The bullpen guys have gotten it done. 
good for them. Good for them. That's how it's supposed to be. They took their chances. They made the most of them. And I'll tell you what, I hope they get the same chance going into Bradenton next spring because they've earned it. When we come back, some hockey talk that's got nothing to do with anything going on in Edmonton. are underway in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Lightning and Islanders from the east side. Golden Knights and Stars from the west. Stars are now my new pick since they knocked out the Avalanche, who had been my pick for a couple months, and then the Avalanche lose Philip Grubauer. And Grubauer wasn't all that great to begin with, so maybe it wasn't a terrific pick. I'll take the Avalanche's skaters against anybody in the league, but, you know, goaltending does kind of matter. This segment of Daily Shot is always brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. In normal times, one in seven people in our region are food insecure, including one in five children, but that's normal times. Now there's a pandemic going on, and the need for food is that much greater. If you are one of those people who needs food assistance, or if you would just like to support the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org and spell out those first three words when you go to the web. pittsburghfoodbank.org. One dollar can provide enough food for up to five meals. Nothing impressed me more over the past few days in hockey even those wonderful Game 7s, than one specific phrase in a press release over the weekend. This was the Penguins' announcement of the two-year extension of Yuso Rikola on the blue line, which I'm wholly in favor of. I've always liked Yuso. Couldn't understand why he was underutilized by Mike Sullivan the way he was. We've asked that about any number of younger players, but Yuso's chief among them, I think, at this point, given that he could potentially and are very arguably should replace Jack Johnson in the daily lineup. The press release of any signing almost always includes a statement quote from Jim Rutherford. This is common across sports. You always have something in there from the GM. And Jim Rutherford opens up his quote in this release by saying, when Yuso's on his game, comma, dot, 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 dot. And I've been doing this my whole life, and I couldn't remember once ever seeing a press release that applauded someone conditionally while they were being signed to an extension or signed to a contract. And I tried to think to myself, because Jim's not the kind of guy who does something like that without a purpose. And knowing the people that I do over at the Penguins, when Jim made that particular statement, I'm sure they came back at him and said, um, uh, Jim, you, really? You sure you want to do this? Is this what you mean? Did you want to include this? And knowing Jim, he'd be like, yeah, leave it in there. In fact... Put it in all capital letters. 
So there it was. It was the beginning of his statement. When Yuso's on his game, comma. Well, when Yuso's on his game, which he mostly was in being utilized in less than one-third of this team's regular season games and none of this team's playoff games in the loss to Montreal, Yuso's advanced analytics are very, very good. If you'll recall, and I definitely do, Yuso showed up for his first training camp after being an international free agent who signed out of Finland at age 24, showed up here, I mean, house ablaze, was the one player on the ice you couldn't take your eyes off in Cranberry. Uh, it looked like a slightly faster version of Olimata, like, and the rookie Olimata, that where you just go, wow, this is incredible. Everything he does is just great. He was all over the ice. He wanted the puck so badly. He was bowling bodies over. And then when he did get the puck, he has a rocket of a shot. This was just like, you couldn't believe that this guy was just sitting over there in Finland waiting to be had. What a great find. As Yuso was exposed to the NHL game, well, he was exposed. <laughs> That's kind of what happens to young defensemen, or in this case, defensemen who are new to the National Hockey League. And Yuso, in his natural on-ice temperament, which, by the way, is the polar opposite of his off-ice temperament, is to just be really high-strung. And he was just headless chickening it all over the defensive zone. I, I don't have a better term for it than that. And the coaches knew it, and the coaches saw it, and the coaches tried to tell him, look, Yuso, just calm down and defend. Okay, the rest of your game will come naturally. Just take care of the back end, man. Don't worry about feeling like you have to cover everyone back there, which is what he was trying to do. And Yuso started to do that, and then he just started becoming a healthy scratch, and then he would stay in the press box for weeks, even months at a time. And then this past season, when there were a couple of injuries, meaning the regular season, he got out there, and he was exactly what they wanted him to be. He did stay calm and collected in his own end. He did make the smart plays. He did make better breakouts. He did jump into the offense at smart times. And it still didn't matter. As soon as the full complement of defensemen were available again, he was the odd man out. I'm not going to turn this into a Jack Johnson screed if that's what you're waiting on. That's that's obvious. That that you know Jack hurts the team in a lot of ways when he's out there. There are things that he does well that no one likes to talk about, but there are more things that he does that he doesn't do well. And Ricola was clearly the better player. And if you go by his advanced metrics, he might have been the Penguins' best defenseman. Now, you have to qualify that in a way, any of the advanced metrics, because Yuso was also getting protected by Jacques Martin, who was running the defenseman during games at the time. He wasn't out there for a whole lot of defensive zone draws. 
He wasn't doing a whole lot of penalty killing. He wasn't doing things that would hurt you as a defenseman as much. But the numbers were the numbers still, and he was performing better than his numbers from the last time that he performed. So he clearly was improving and getting better. Still didn't matter. So maybe the challenge that Rutherford puts into this press release is partially aimed at Ricola. Maybe there's something there that the coaches or the front office know about him where they feel like they have to push a certain button. Maybe it's the GM having his head coaches back for not using him when he should have used him. But one way or another, the loudest voice in this process is the dollar figure commitment. Yuso is going to get $2.2 million guaranteed over the next two years. He didn't get that money so that he could join Chad Ruweedle in the press box because Ruweedle also got extended, and Ruweedle will be in the press box as a reserve. That's why he is signed year after year. Not Ricola. You don't sign two guys a cap situation to sit in your press box. So something else is up. Either Ricola is going to get traded himself and he's easier to trade if he has a contract attached to him, and that's usually the case. Or, you know, something else is on the horizon, not to get you excessively excited. I appreciate you listening to this show, please don't forget that we also have dedicated and very good podcasts aimed solely at the Steelers with Chris Carter and Dale Lawley. I can't imagine which two people you'd rather have doing a Steelers podcast than those two guys. And an outstanding Pirates podcast that's done by two guys, uh, two friends who really know the game of baseball who love it who've been following the pirates their whole lives in alex stumpf and noah hiles also our beat writers hope you can check those out as well thanks again your front door your car your gym locker your gun safety is a habit learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure visit projectchildsafe.org